Hey friends, it's Mark James and today is Wednesday the 29th of March and as I'm recording this it's 5.23 p.m. Listen to this sound. That is the sound of me opening a can of Relentless. That's like an energy drink but it's sugar free. It's a zero sugar energy drink. I normally drink Monster. I drink the Monster that's in a white can and it's got Ultra written on it in blue. That's the one that I normally drink. But today I'm having this because I just went in a shop to grab a drink to record with and I found this and it's in a white can but it's got a pink thing around the top. It says it's raspberry flavor. Now it's got basically the same ingredients as Monster. It's very high in B6, vitamin B12, niacin, all of the things that you get from Monster. And those things are important, by the way, the old B6 and B12 for uh, the creation of new blood cells and stuff. So I'm going to try it for the first time. Let's see how it is. You know what? It's pretty goddamn good. I like that. I also bought a 1.5 liter of Buxton water. Anyway, so today is slightly different. I know I said I'd be away on tour. Not only am I away on tour, I'm actually sitting in the car right now at the seafront, a very quiet little bay um, near this uh, holiday park where I'm working tonight. And it's near a place called St. Osyth in um, the UK, in Essex. And it's very near to a slightly bigger seaside town called Clacton. And as I'm sitting here right now, I'm kind of, you know, sometimes there's a war, there's usually the sea. And then there's the stones and the, the sand and all that stuff. And then running along the top of that, there's a path. And then there's a wall. And the wall is usually a boundary line of to where the sea will come up to. And when the tide is in, the water will come right up and touch that wall quite often. While my car is parked so that the front wheels are almost touching the top side of that wall. Because what's quite nice is that um, the grass and the verge is in line with the top of the wall. So it's not that I need to look over it to see into the sea. It's that I am at the top of it. I mean, I could Cagney and Lacey my car into the water right now if I wanted. <laughs> if I drove as fast as I could, I would fly off the edge of the wall and into the sea. I'm not exactly sure how far you would fly. I mean, in cartoons, not even cartoons, in films, when someone needs to jump a bridge, when the two sides of the bridge are evenly leveled out, but there's a gap in the middle, so it's not a bridge. A broken bridge is what I mean. The car will drive as fast as it can, and somehow, between leaving one side of the bridge and entering the other broken side of the same bridge, the car appears to gain height. Somehow, it ends up higher in the air than it should do, as if it's gone up a ramp, even when there's no ramp to speak of. So I wonder, I wonder how fast I would need to be going to not just go over the edge and immediately tip down and be pointing into the ground forwards. Who knows? But anyway, so that's where I'm sitting. I've got the, uh, the flap. You know, in your car, you have a flap, a sun, a sun visor, and you flip down the sun visor to shield your eyes. Well, I've got the phone. I've flipped down the sun visor and there's like a, a band, a band of um, material across it. And I've got the phone wedged under there so that the microphone is nice and close 
to my face. I tried loads of different places in the car for where to position the phone. Because of course I've got like a magnetic charger in here that I just put the phone against and that charges the phone up. But when I tried that, it was too far away. I've tried it on the dash, but like loads of different places. But the problem is I need to be able to see the phone as well because it's got my notes for the podcast on. So I need to be able to access the, um, the screen itself. So all of those places were inappropriate. But anyway, I'm sitting here ahead of tonight's gig and I'm gigging in the place at the holiday park where I'm both at and staying tonight and stayed last night. I'll come back to that in a bit. But um, it's quite nice. And I'm sitting here rather than going straight back into the caravan, which is what I would ordinarily do because um, I've just run. I've just run for, I think, the fourth, fourth or fifth time since the last podcast, a lot of things have changed, you know. All of the bullshit, all of the promises that I made, all of the things that I keep saying I'm going to do. The week came around and I basically did them. I'm really doing them now, but at the weekend I kind of flirted with them a bit. And then since Monday, I've committed and I've done them properly. I'm actually watching. There's a guy down in front of me. He's got his car parked near to mine, but he's sitting down off the front edge. And he's got a fishing rod in the water. I, uh, I've i never really been fishing. I think I went once with my uncle. It's maybe something I would like to do. It always seems quite peaceful to just go and sit fishing and, you know, read a book and play on your phone or whatever. Having a little bit more of a drink. Mm. But I committed... So, Wednesday I recorded the last podcast. I talked about mortality rates and how being unhealthy leads to all these different horrible, you know, side effects and all that sort of stuff. I think then we ordered takeaway. I think we ordered from a takeaway that we really liked, but it was dead disappointing and we were a bit sad about it. And then... Thursday, I decided, right, I'm going to try running. I'm going to go out and have a run and see how it feels. And I did. And I have to say, I failed to make a full um, five kilometers. Usually I run five kilometers, 3.1 miles. But the very first day that I tried, I I wasn't up to it for whatever reason. I still felt a a bit shit. My other problems have gotten much better, by the way, since I've started running and being healthy again. Might have just been a bit of sort of uh, downward laziness making me stay ill. But um, who knows? So Thursday, I really struggled, tried to run, failed, made four kilometers, which, you know, it's like 2.6 miles or something. It's not ideal, but I didn't, uh, I didn't get all the way there. Then Friday, I thought, right, things are going to have to change. I'm going away to the Isle of Wight tonight. Friday I was anyway. But I'm going away. I can really do something here. I can make it happen. I'm going to push my seat back a little bit more and give myself some room. Hold on. So I thought Friday I can make it happen. I'm going to get on it. I'm away. That's a good opportunity to commit. I usually find it a bit easier to eat healthy when I'm doing that. So... Let's get on it. So Friday morning, I wake up. It's like quarter past seven and I'm aware that Joshua is awake and he's gotten up to shower. And I know that Sarah's awake because I've heard her moving around in bed, but I think she was off sick that day. I can't remember. I've got nothing else to add about Sarah's whole plight, by the way, of being ill. Other than to say she's still not well. She's been feeling a little bit down and a little bit sort of um, 
just generally lethargic and struggling against it a little bit. She had another blood test on Monday, but we don't see any results or action from those until another couple of weeks when she has a normal meeting with the doctor. So assuming that those blood tests continue to be, you know, low white blood cells, they'll take some further action or tell her stuff that she should start doing to aid recovery. But generally she just feels a bit shitty and tired and, you know, not amazing. Um, so I think she might have been off on Friday. I'm not sure. Or it might have been a day off. Either way, she was still in bed. And I was thinking to myself, I'm driving to the Isle of Wight tonight. I've got a big day ahead. I've got every excuse to stay in bed. I'm just going to stay in bed. And I heard Sarah say to Joshua, Daddy's getting up to walk you to school. <laughs> and a little part of my brain went, Fuck off, you get up and walk him to school. <laughs> But another, another little part of it went, yeah, that was the sign from the universe. And Sarah is the universe, by the way. She's certainly my world. Oh, God. If she wasn't being sick already, she just did. But um, if I wasn't, if, if, that's the, if I needed a sign from the universe, being awake to hear her saying that was probably it. So I said, okay, I'm getting up. So I set the alarm for quarter to eight. I got out of bed. I got showered, put my running stuff on. I walked Joshua to school and then I ran home the full five kilometers and I did it in 34 minutes, which is not a great time. Bearing in mind that I've done it in under 30 minutes before, only once or twice, but I have done it. I'm, my body is capable of it, but I haven't done it in at least six months. My best time in six months is like 32. It was 32 minutes 50 or something like that. So I haven't done that in quite some time and since I was a lot thinner. But I did it. More than anything else, I finished. That was what I really cared about. Now, as it went, the day before, I'd done all the prep to go away. I had hoovered the car, put the fuel in, cleaned it, packed all the stuff, everything was ready and I was good to go for gigging. So all I had to do then was get dressed after the gear, after the run and drive to the Isle of Wight. And that's exactly what I did. Got in the car, drove down to Southampton. There are two ways you can get to the Isle of Wight. There are two ferry companies. One of them is called White Link, white spelled W-I-G-H-T, <clears throat> like the Isle of Wight. And the other one is called Red Funnel. Now, they've both got their pluses and minuses. White Link is every hour and the crossing only takes 35 minutes because it goes from Portsmouth to Ride and the distance across the English Channel is less. Whereas Red Funnel, they only go every hour and a half and they take 55 minutes. So both of those things sound like they'd be quite in the, in the negative for Red Funnel. However, when you're coming home, the Red Funnel ferry, ferry times are nine o'clock, 10.30, um, midnight, every hour and a half. Whereas the White Link ferry times are every hour, but they are 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, etc. So, oh, and I think the one before the 10 o'clock is like um, 8.45 or something. So it's a bit weird. And Portsmouth, where Whitelink goes from, is 25 minutes further away from home for me than Southampton. So without boring you, the basic upshot of this is that when I want to come home, I want to get on a ferry that's earlier and closer to home. 
So, and the, and the Whiteling Ferry is at nine and a half ten. Sorry, the Red Funnel Ferry is at nine and a half ten. Whereas the Whiteling one is at 11. And that means that I get back on the mainland at like 11.40, but I'm 25 minutes further away from home. Whereas if I get the 10.30 ferry, I still get back to home um, at like, you know, 11.25, but I'm closer to home than I would be. So it's kind of better. However, if I can get on stage very early, which as it goes, I was on Saturday night, I can get on the nine o'clock ferry. And then it means that I'm back on the mainland by 9.55. And then I'm still just, I'm three hours, 45 minutes from home. So that, I realized how difficult that was to explain <laughs> and how boring the last two minutes might have been to listen to. But for all of those reasons, I always book the Red Funnel Ferry. Out of the two options, I book the Red Funnel Ferry, okay? So on the way down, I was booked onto the 4.30 ferry, but I wasn't going on stage until like 9.30 that night. So I moved it until the six o'clock ferry, and then I got stuck in traffic, brutally bad traffic, and my arrival time at the ferry port changed to 6.30, so I realized I was not gonna make the six o'clock ferry. So I got there, and the companies are all really nice, to be fair to them. Because you've booked on that day, if you get there early or late, if there's a space, they just let you on no matter what. They don't like piss about and say, you should have been in this one, you have to pay a bit more. There's no messing about. They literally just let you on the ferry whatever time you get there. It's really, really good. Like I cannot praise their customer service for that enough. Both companies, exactly the same. They both do it. They don't mess you about. It's fantastic. So I arrive at like 6.30 and say, hi, I should have been on the 6. She said, no problem, you can get on the 7.30. 7.30 got me on the island for 8.25. I was on stage at 9.30. The drive was 20 minutes because the Isle of Wight is tiny. You can drive across the whole thing in 35 minutes, literally from the two furthest points. So I got to the gig on time, set up, all was good. However, I don't want to name names for various reasons, but I was working for a company that I don't work for that much. And this company have invested in a lot of sites. They've got a lot of locations. And so what they don't necessarily have is a lot of money left to invest individually in all of those sites. The company that I'm working for tonight, Haven, they've been building loads of venues, new venues on the sites that they've got, updating them all. They've got loads of brilliant tech. They all use this thing called QLab. QLab is basically, I might have explained this before, but a system for running audio, visual, lights, I mean, literally anything, fireworks. This system, anything that's got an electrical pulse that can be plugged in, this system can trigger that thing turning on or starting. It can run complex audio visual systems. You can do a thing called time coding so that at various points in songs, the music, uh, the lights will change or visuals will come on the screen or, you know, blackouts will happen or whatever it may be that you want to happen. Uh, this program is capable of making that thing happen. It's incredibly smart. It's really well designed. And it's the way that I now run my own show. My uh, shoes have just started to feel tight. I'm wearing my running trainers. So I'm just undoing the laces to allow my feet a little bit of room. So I run my show via that uh, through a series of videos that I trigger with a remote control and the show goes <clears throat> no problem like that. 
of the two venues that I'm doing, one of them has got QLab, but nobody ever uses it or knows how to use it. And the other one doesn't even have a MacBook. It's got a much older system. So that presented some challenges in running the shows. They had, however, invested money in some new digital microphones. <laughs> now, the industry standard microphone is called a Sennheiser. There's two main microphone brands. They are Shure, spelled S-H-U-R-E, and Sennheiser, spelled S-E-N-Heiser. S-E-N-H-E-I-S-E-R. <laughs> -E -E I did a joke. I know how to spell it. But, um... When it comes to radio mics, you really cannot beat Sennheiser. They are the number one brand, industry standard, everybody uses them. And mostly in the UK, they use the Sennheiser mics that are called G3s or G4s. They function on a specific frequency. That frequency is 606.5 megahertz up to 645.8 megahertz or something like that. So if you've got a G3 or a G4 microphone, which I have, a head microphone. You know the little pack that you see people wearing on their belts with the head mic plugged into it? That's what I've got. I turn up to the venue every night. They've got the same microphone receiver as what matches my microphone. So I sync it to their receiver. I turn off the handheld microphone that they give me and everything just works, easy as pie. However, the one place this company have decided to invest is in new microphones that are digital and Bluetooth only. So I couldn't sync my microphone to their receiver, which would have created a big problem. However, it turned out that they had one of the old microphones in a cupboard somewhere and he went and got it for me and I was able to use that. A bit of a disaster averted. And the guy was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, it's such a stress. I hope it's not this. I hope it's not that. I said to him, mate, there are currently 11 people in this room. <laughs> I cannot describe to you how little of a fuck I give about it. Honestly, it's going to be fine. If anything will destroy this gig, it will not be something that we do. If I have to go out there with no microphone and perform to the audience without music, then connecting with 11 or 12 people for 45 minutes, that's like, that's fine. I can do that. God, when you've been doing this job for long enough, the one thing you don't worry about is connecting with a small group of people who might be interested in watching a magic show. If they don't want to see a magic show, it's not going to really be my fault if it doesn't go very well or not. And if the tech doesn't work, it's not going to be my fault if, it didn't, if the show didn't go well or not. So the thing that I can bring to the party that's still able to go well in all of those different circumstances. So I said to him, honestly, I could not give one solitary fuck about any of this stuff. Whatever happens, it'll be fine. And if it isn't fine, it won't be me that gets the blame. <laughs> I don't know if he took that in the cavalier and charming spirit that I meant it, because the guy I'm talking about has a tendency to get a little bit stressed. But anyway, as it turned out, it filled up a little bit and the gig was brilliant. I actually had a really, really good time. The audience were nice and I loved it. It was a good, good show. Then the next day I woke up and I thought, right, let's see if we can do this running thing again. Let's see if we can just capitalize on what was gained yesterday in a 34 minute run, 34 and a half minutes run and do a little bit better. So I walked from the holiday park and it was my intention to walk down to the beach and then run along the wall that, you know, so I'll run behind the 
because every beach in the UK is basically the same. That well, in the most of the world, there's the beach, and then there's like a path, you know, between the beach and the rest of the world. So I tend to like running on those paths because they're always very flat. They're very rarely interrupted. They almost never have like random ups and downs and steps and gaps. It's usually just a paved, flat, consistent path that's great for running on. So the only problem is you do, you can have problems with wind blowing in your face, obviously, because it's at the beach. So um, I was going to head down to there. And then I got to the train station. I wasn't sure which direction it was. I walked and I came across the train station a different way than I'd seen on the map. But it looked like a little cut through and I knew which direction the sea was. So I cut through and there's a train station. There was a little old couple <clears throat> sitting there. And I said to them, excuse me, do you know the quickest way to the seafront from here? And they said, if you go down that road, you just keep going forward, you can't miss it. And as I got to the road, I realized that I was on a downslope. And I thought, well, rather than doing the usual 30, 35 minutes of walking before I run, I'm just gonna start running now because I'll get the benefit of that downslope. And gosh, was it a good downslope. I probably ran down there for about a quarter of a mile and then got to the bottom and then continued along the beach. And I ran all the way along the beach to the tune of 2.8 miles, I think. I ran down the pier, like to the end and back again. Felt like Forrest Gump. <laughs> I ran further along the beach and then I hit a point where you literally could not go anymore without running on the sand. And if you've ever run on sand, you'll know what an absolutely impossible idea that is. So I turned up into the streets, then back down again onto the beach. And before I knew it, boom, I hit 3.1 miles. I think I did it in 33 minutes flat or something like that. So I'd knocked a minute off the day before. Safe to say, I was well pleased. But... I was still three miles away from the car and the, the uh, caravan, sorry. So I had to walk all the way back. That walk felt pretty torturously long because of course three and a bit miles is an hour's walk. So I walked for an hour with a wind in my face right along the uh, beach, listening to the, the newer, the newest Taylor Swift album, Midnight's uh, in my AirPods, not AirPods, they're Beats. And, um, all was good. I felt very good. But the main thing I did on both of those days was pretty much fasted. On the Friday, on the way to the gig, I ate these, there's like these thin sun-baked crisps, chips, you know, for our American friends, um, that are, I think, the tomato flavor. And so, tomato for our American friends. I ate those. And then I had these things called squashums that are like a... Um, they buy a company called Drummers, I think. It's kind of a pink and white, chewy, but nice thing. And it just, they're very fresh. And it made my mouth feel good, considering I hadn't eaten anything, eaten anything. And then on the Saturday on the way home, I had some of those again, but I also had a chicken tikka wrap on the ferry on the way home because it was a long drive and it was late and I was going to be tired. So I got a chicken tikka wrap and a coffee. And I probably would have swerved the chicken tikka wrap but for the fact that when I got to the counter to pay for the coffee, he was just putting them on this tray next to the till and said to me, all of these are half price. We need to sell them on this voyage, otherwise they're getting binned. And I went, oh, okay. And I looked and there was a chicken tikka one. And I thought, yeah, I'm having that, aren't I? So I had it and it was nice to be fair. It was really, really nice. It was in like a, 
the wrap itself was like yellowish in color and the wrap had a really nice flavor as well. So I ate that and I drove home, got in the house at like 1.30 in the morning, um, pretty tired, but all good. And that was, that was my Saturday night. Sunday woke up and I don't know that I ran that day. I don't think I did. Did I have the day off? No, I didn't. I ran. I ran somewhere. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to. Con Hang on. Oh no! I thought I'd stop the recording then for a second. I'm just checking everything. Hold on. <sighs> Opening the notes. Bear with. Okay. Um. I haven't made any notes about Sunday. I'll have to check Instagram. Oh yeah, that's I've got a mad story about Saturday night that I nearly would have forgotten to tell you. Where did I run? What day? Hold on, I'm looking. I'm looking at my uh, five kilometre world thing on Instagram just to check. Normally I have my phone as well. Pen with them five days ago. Well, that can't have been it. Shang oh no, that's it. Isle of Wight, Eastbourne. Okay, I mustn't have run. I must have run at home, but not logged it in my thing. I did some average runs. I did some very average running um, that didn't break any world records or anything. That's what I want to say. And I'm just tucking my phone back into the thing. Um, shite, hold on. It's all going wrong, friends. Okay, here we go. Trying to record in the car is a bit of a ball ache, to be honest. Okay, it's all working. <clears throat> um, sorry about that diversion. So I did some fairly average ru uh, running. That's what I know for definite. However, Monday, I got up and I walked Joshua to school and I ran then. And, oh, no, 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 did I? Oh, fuck. Why haven't I written any of this down? Monday was the day I drove down to, yeah, no, I definitely did not run. Monday, I absolutely did not run. 100% didn't do it. Let me just t tip back to Saturday night. When I arrived at the holiday park, I um, got given the keys for a caravan. This is on Saturday night, uh, Friday night. I didn't go to the caravan until like one o'clock in the morning because obviously I was doing the gig and stuff and I'd only just got on the island. So I go to the caravan. It takes me ages to find in the dark. And I'm pretty good at it, finding caravans. You get used to that sort of thing. I get there and um, I unlock the caravan. I open the door. I step up the steps and I step inside in the pitch black darkness. And as I step inside, I feel something underfoot. And I look down and I realize that it's a shoe. <laughs> a kid's shoe. And then I look, and right next to it is an identical matching kid shoe. And then I look to that, and I realize that there's three more pairs of shoes. Two adult shoes and another pair of kid shoes. And then as I take my phone out of my pocket and turn on the torch to investigate why some shoes have been left in the caravan, I realize that there's food, bottles of pop, clothing, personal possessions, basically all of the stuff that indicates that... In this caravan, in the beds, I'm assuming, is a family who are all asleep. So I tiptoe very quietly back out of the caravan in reverse, close the door and lock it again, and then go back to the car and call security and explain, he is 
like shits himself and is full of apologies and says he doesn't know how this could have happened. But if I just popped her up back to reception, he'll give me a different caravan. And he did give me a different caravan. And I got really lucky, actually, because the caravan that I got was really, really, really nice. I got like a majorly nice caravan upgrade, a super good one with, uh, you know, properly modern, nice couches and stuff in. I was absolutely over the moon. It was fantastic. So that was good times. Anyway, so Sunday, Sarah made a roast dinner and everything. That was it. Now I remember what's gone on. Sarah made a roast dinner and everything. And um, it was delicious. And then at bedtime, we got in bed and I'd done a bit of being good and fasting, obviously, two days before. Not really, but I'd only eaten very lightly. Then I wanted some toast. So I had four massive bits of toast and a bit of chicken and stuff downstairs in the kitchen and then went to bed. So when I woke up on Monday morning, I basically weighed the same as I'd weighed on Friday before I'd done a bit of fasting and running. So I've got to say, I was a bit devastated. I'm getting very close to telling you my weight, by the way. Not in this podcast, but probably on Monday next week. So um, I was a bit gutted. But I was motivated. So Monday, I wasn't going to run because I knew I had a very long day ahead of myself and I was going to plan to walk after the gig. So I didn't run, but I did drive down to um, sort of Eastbourne area. I was at a place called Church Farm. Now, Church Farm as a holiday park for Haven did not used to be very good. The venue has never changed. Well, the shape of the venue's never changed. It's had a massive overhaul, repaint, refurb. It looks amazing. It's actually really nice. And it had a sound system that was just like pissing in the wind. It was really struggling against it. This is a few years ago. And so last year and the year before, I don't think I ever did that venue. The only time I did it was once when I did my owner's show. Hard to judge what it's what the sound system and stuff's like in those situations because the capacity, there was only ever like 100 people in the audiences, apart from the really big ones where they went crazy for it. It was usually a much smaller audience and it was during the day and the vibe was very different. So I was never struggling against a noisy room ever. Whereas I went back on Monday night. <clears throat> God, I had one of the best gigs I've had in years there. I couldn't believe it. It was so fun. The team were brilliant. The entertainment manager, Liam, is one of my good friends from years and years and years. I mean, I've known him for closing in on 20 years since I first met him. I met him when I was 18 and I'm 37. So I've known him a long time. He's been with the company a long time and he's got a permanent managerial position. So even in the off peak and everything, you know, he's still employed by the company. A lot of them are like that. <coughs> but... Uh, he was there running a tight ship as always. Great gig. Had a lovely time. And then my next gig was over in Hastings. Now, I'd had a bit of a situation where I booked a caravan where I am tonight. Haven do this brilliant thing, right? It's called Haven Hideaway. And of course, it's very quiet on the holiday parks in the weeks when all the kids are at school because the government have really changed their position on taking your children out of school. They've started fining parents. They've started really upping the sort of moral guilt that parents feel when they take the kids out of school. And so consequently, far fewer children are out of school during term time than what used to be. It used to be that most parents didn't really give a fuck and they'd take holidays in the off-peak because it was way cheaper. Now, they've made it astronomically cheap if you don't book entertainment passes. So what that means is that 
the people who've got kids, of course they book caravans with entertainment passes because why would they come on holiday to a haven and not go in the entertainment? However, Haven have cracked it. They've started selling caravan holidays weeks for way cheaper if you don't want an entertainment pass. So this has been attracting older couples, you know, dog walkers, and at least said doggers then, uh, different groups who meet up and do different activities and all sorts of different stuff, but who are not families with children. And they sell these caravans for quite cheap. I was able to get a caravan this week, Monday through Friday, at this holiday park, The Orchards, for £50. And let me tell you, the caravan is really nice. It's two bedrooms, showers, all that sort of stuff. Ensuite shower in the uh, main bedroom. Uh, three couches, TV, kitchen, microwave, the whole thing. It's fantastic. It's a really nice caravan. Cost me £50. However, it is over three hours away from Monday night's gig. And Monday night's gig was only an hour away from Tuesday night's gig. So what it meant was it would be much more pertinent to get a caravan in between Monday and Tuesday's gig somewhere halfway along the way. So I booked a travel lodge in Eastbourne. I've been to Eastbourne before. I went to Eastbourne to do the IBM convention for the International Brotherhood of Magicians. They should possibly, I wonder if they're going to think about changing the name because they never used to allow women in it and they do now. So maybe it could be the International Humanhood. <laughs> Let's not get into gender politics again. So I just had a drink then. So, um, <clears throat> I've been to Eastbourne before, only once. And the last time I was in Eastbourne, I ran as well. I don't know if I ran 5K. I don't know if back then when I did the IBM, mind you, I think I was, it was September last year. So I probably did run 5K. Um, I wonder if there's a way to look up my time. I'll have to look in my Instagram I don't think I was sharing it online then, or maybe I didn't have the Garmin watch. I don't really know, to be honest. But either way, I ran in Eastbourne before, so I decided to do it again. And I'm, I'm glad I did, because I got a good result. I ran 5K on Eastbourne Seafront in under 32 and a half minutes. In fact, it was bang on. I think it was bang on 32 and a half minutes. It might, on the time I posted, add a second or two over the top. But that's because you have to stop running and press the button on your watch and that takes two seconds to register but i think my actual 5k time was bang on 32 and a half minutes which is the closest i've been to a sub 5k in quite a long time and certainly the fastest 5k i've run in over six months and it was quite joyful i think um i think that eastbourne might be one of my new favourite places to run. I'm definitely, when I do this tour again, going to look to stay near Eastbourne so that I can run there again on the mornings that I'm in that area. Because it was very good. I, enjoy, I enjoyed running there a lot. But what did I mainly do Monday, Tuesday? By the way, Tuesday night I had a great gig as well. In another venue that typically I've also had tough shows or not enjoyed the shows in. But... Haven have really pulled it out the bag and made the sound systems better in every venue so you're not up against it with the audience. And with all the new stuff that I do now with pre-show music and stuff, actually I feel like I've quite cracked it when it comes to getting the audience's attention. And I don't tend to have bad shows ever anymore. So the main thing, I mean every now and again you're going to die, but usually it's pretty okay. Um, the main thing that I've done for two days is fast. Monday, for the first time in as long as I can remember, 
I actually, well, the, the one time I did fast, actually, in the last six months was the first day I was on the ship. And then I think the second day was the day that I did my show and I ate after the show, maybe. Um, and I went a bit crazy, but I fasted for real. I actually did it all the way through Monday. I did not eat a single solitary thing. And I woke up on Tuesday feeling pretty good about it. And then I went out and ran that 5K in 32 and a half minutes with a bit of spring in my step because I wasn't bogged down with all the chocolate and a bad night's sleep. Um, and then Tuesday, I fasted again. And I have to say, Tuesday was a bit more of a struggle. My tummy was rumbling during the day and there was a point when I nearly cracked on Monday, but I didn't. And there was a point where I thought about cracking on Tuesday because I decided when I had a bit of time, I was a bit bored between gigs, to go and get the food that I was going to eat today. So I went to the massive Tesco and I bought some chicken thighs. Now, my go-to meal for when I'm cooking for myself in caravans is to make ramen. And I'll make ramen with these protein noodles that are 25 calories a pack. Fuck knows what they're made with. And some people think they smell like fish when you take them out of the packet. That's because they're in this kind of preservative water. But I find them to be very nice. They take on the taste of whatever you're eating quite well. What you got to do is, you, they're called bare naked uh, noodles, by the way. They also do bare naked rice, but I've not tried that. Uh, but they're made out of something else. I can't remember what they're made out of, but they're not noodles. Uh, it's some reformed thing into the shape of noodles and rice and stuff. So anyway, you take them out of the bag and you take them out of the packet of water stuff that they're in and you put them in like a sieve and you basically rinse them off. Uh, two or three times with hot water. I give them a sec, rinse them again, and it gets all of that stuff off. And then when you cook them, you just cook them in water like you would with normal noodles, boil them, basically. Um, they're perfectly fine. But what I like to do is boil them and then tip that out and put them into a bowl. And then I will boil a kettle and get a big mug and I'll make some miso soup. You know, powdered miso soup that you can buy. I'll put that in a mug with some... Um, hot water and then I'll pour that over the, the noodles so now I've got noodles in a flavoured broth then I'll cut up some chilies, green chilies and red chilies, spread them over the top finally slice a bit of uh, coriander and put that over the top and then usually I might use some aromat or MSG as you would call it I'll put that over there, I'll put a bit of um, seasoning like garlic seasoning or something like that on then i will cook some chicken usually i get a couple of chicken breasts and i cook those however chicken breasts are out and thigh fillets are in let me tell you because thigh fillets are way tastier so i'll slice those up and put them on cooked obviously i cook those in the oven typically first and then over the top of all of that i will liberally put some red dragon is it called Red Dragon? Sriracha, sriracha sauce. You know the one that's like in a clear bottle so it looks red because the sauce is red and it has a green lid on. Sriracha sauce. I'll put Flying Goose. It's called, not Red Dragon. Flying Goose Sriracha sauce. I'll put that all over the top and have a nice spicy chicken noodle. Super low calorie because as we've talked about many times in the past, uh, miso soup is almost no calories, like 50 calories a bowl. Um, the noodles, those noodles, by the way, they don't, like, you know, people have a problem with them being a bit weird, but they are filling and they are 26 calories for a giant bowl of them. How is that even possible? 26 calories for a giant bowl of those noodles. Uh, and chicken is 130 calories per breast. I haven't looked up what thighs are. I assume they're a tiny bit more, but breasts are 130 per breast. 
on an average for a mid-size breast and there's nothing I like more. <laughs> so anyway, um, that's what I'll typically cook. So I set myself up to do that by going to Tesco. I bought the chicken thighs because I saw them and they were the same price as the breasts, but you got six. And thigh meat, chicken thighs are way tastier, aren't they? Because, you know, the thigh does a lot more work on the chicken. It's a better quality of thing. It's not the clean, plain breast meat that people sort of crave for, but the thigh is undoubtedly more tasty. So um, I bought those few other bits and bobs and I also uh last night because I couldn't get coriander or chilies they didn't have any I got a pot of Italian garlic seasoning I'm gonna buy more of those dried seasonings in pots that you can just sprinkle over the top because this one was delicious I'm gonna get a few in a bag that I can mix it up a bit so um I got that but I, I went past an M&S a Marks and Spencer's Simply Food garage and that was when I nearly cracked because they sell my favorite chocolate eclairs and loads of other food that I really like but I walked around and the only thing that I bought was quite a good sized bag I mean the bag was probably the width of um, my forearm you know from the wrist to the elbow crook a wide long bag like that but full of vegetables that you can microwave so we're talking baby carrots, baby sweet corn, um, broccoli stems, broccoli floret heads, sliced up um, like straight pea pod things, you know, pea shoot pods, uh, little bits of, I think there might have been, was there asparagus in it? I don't think there's asparagus. To be fair, broccoli stems and asparagus look very similar. But anyway, so all of that stuff was in there in that bag and I thought... That looks fantastic. That looks like a good bag of vegetables. I looked it up and per quarter of a bag, because I suppose you're supposed to use that bag and, you know, divide it between a family of two, three or four people um, on their plates as a little bit of edge to go with whatever you're having. But it was 31 calories per quarter of a bag. And I was thinking that entire bag of vegetables is going to be very filling, but it's only 124 calories for the whole bag. So I bought it, and this morning, probably about half eleven when I started to feel hungry, I threw that bag in the microwave, and when I took it out, I tipped the whole thing into those big clear Pyrex bowls, and then I uh, put some of that powdered, it's not powdered, it's like bits though, Italian garlic seasoning on, and I tossed it in the bowl so it got really coated, and then I put sriracha seasoning all over the top of that. And I got a fork and I just sat and ate that bowl of vegetables, hot, by the way, hot vegetables with seasoning and sauce on. God damn, it was delicious. And I bet with the extra stuff I added, it was less than 150 calories. I absolutely couldn't get enough of it. It was so nice. And so once I'd made that, I thought, I know what I'll do. Mm. Just grabbing a quick drink of this zero sugar raspberry relentless. I thought I'm going to cook later so that most of my prep's done and I don't have to mess about with the oven, just hot water and the stove. I'll cook my chicken now. I'm feeling inspired. So I got my baking tray and I sprayed it with some um, Fry Light. Fry Light spray, by the way. It's basically a, a, a lubricant, <laughs> you know, that you need to stop your stuff sticking. But it's only one calorie per spray, Fry Light. So I've always bought that for cooking with in caravans and stuff because it's really easy to use because it's a spray bottle and you're not adding loads of calories by using oil or butter or whatever. So um, 
sprayed some of that in the baking tray, put the chicken on, sprayed the chicken with it as well so that the stuff would stick, coated that in the garlic stuff and then put the sriracha on top as well because I do crave spice when I'm fasting. And I put those in the oven 26 minutes later at uh, Gas Mark 6. I took them out, they looked fantastic. And I was thinking, right, I might eat three of them and leave the other three to go with the ramen. Well, <laughs> I cut one in half to check that it was cooked, straight out the oven, cut it in half to check that it was cooked. And I thought, yeah, it's cooked. It's all white through the middle, it looks brilliant. Uh, I'm gonna eat this half that I've cut off. So I did, straight off the baking tray. And then I thought, well, I'll just finish the rest of that other one. And then I ate another one. And then I thought, well, I'm clearly going to eat all of these right now, aren't I? So I sliced them all up into little chunks. I put them on a plate and then I sat down on the couch and I ate all of those as well. Six chicken breasts. But having said that, six chicken breasts, uh, sorry, ch chicken thighs, uh, if they are, say, 150 calories each, which is, you know, conservative, but could well be true. That's under a thousand calories. Then plus my vegetables, I've probably had a thousand calories there, but what I've had is an absolute ton of protein. I felt super full and I got a bag load of greens as well. So I dare say that for today on the eating front, I'm absolutely crushing it. I'm really, really pleased with the stuff that I ate. And about two hours after that, I sat there and just relaxed and rested and let myself have a good old um what's it called fasting poo because you do have a mental poo after all that by the way i had a good old fasting poo and uh got showered and dressed and then went for another run so i just drove to clacton on sea which is down uh, in essex and i parked up on the top of the cliff and uh, ran along the top of the cliffs and I was running into the wind. The wind was really getting me on the top of the cliff for the first mile. And then I saw like a downslope onto the front bit, you know, where you're running along the actual edge of the beach, where the path on the edge of the beach is. Thought maybe if I get down there, it'll be a bit more shielded and the wind won't be as bad as it is up here. So I ran down there and then the second mile, oh my God, the wind was even worse. It was right in my face. I ran the first mile in nine minutes and 38 seconds, which is funny because it's exactly to the second how long it took me to run a mile yesterday, the first mile um, in Eastbourne. And then I was running into the wind, running into the wind. And then when I got to like 1.85 miles, I think, I turned round and started running back the other way. And then obviously I was no longer running into the wind and things got a little bit easier. And I managed to make it back. I did today's run in 33 minutes, I think, or 33 and a half minutes exactly. Which considering that I was running into a headwind for quite a lot of the way, I can't say I was too... Um, I can't say I was too devastated about it. I was pretty pleased with my with my time. I think that was good. So, um, yeah, and then once I got in the car, I drove back here and sat to record this podcast for you guys. That's not the end, by the way. I'm just saying what I've been up to today. So, I find myself in a position now where I've fasted two days, I've run for two days, and I've eaten today... And tomorrow, tonight, by the way, after the gig, because I'm on stage at half seven. It's ten past six at the minute, so I'm going to go and get ready soon. But um, <clears throat> I'm going to go for a big walk tonight in Clacton. I'm going to drive back to Clacton, and I'm going to park roughly where I did today, maybe a little bit further away. What I want to do is park like three miles away from the pier. 
and then walk to the pier. And then once I get there, if there's a stand selling like a um, soft serve, you know, a, a Mr. Whippy ice cream or something like that, I'll allow myself one of those ice creams because they're very low calorie, especially if you don't eat the uh, cone and I never eat the cone. So I'll allow myself one of those and then I'll walk back and I'll get a drink at the pier, maybe a black coffee or something, and I'll walk three miles back. So that'll be over two hours of walking tonight because I didn't do any walking, I just ran today, apart from the little bit of walk that you have to do at the end of the run to get back to wherever your car is or whatever and just to help some of the lactic acid out of your legs. So um, I'm going to go a big walk tonight and then I'm going to try and run again tomorrow if my legs feel good. And I feel like they might do. Maybe take it steady, but try and get a 5k in again. Then I've got a gig tomorrow night and then I drive home. And I'll get in at a decent time because I'm on at half seven again. So I'll get home by half midnight, hopefully, maybe one o'clock. And then I'm off for the weekend. And I just need to try and really dig in over the weekend. So, you know, Friday, obviously, I'm allowed to eat. And Sarah's off work. And Joshua's got a half day at school. So I'm quite tempted to just bung Joshua out of school a day early. Start his two weeks holiday early. And then the three of us maybe go somewhere Friday. Because I get paid Friday. And so it'd be quite nice as a family Friday to maybe do something while Sarah's off work and Joshua can be off school and we'll have just got some money. I don't know what yet, but something that doesn't involve absolutely loads of crazy eating, but have one nice meal on Friday night. Um, and then get back on it. Saturday, fast. Sunday, eat healthy, roast dinner. Sarah said she's going to make a roast dinner every Sunday now, so I love that as a, as a habit. And then try and get a really good weigh-in for Monday. And then I've got five days until we fly to Benidorm. So just really try and crush the being healthy and put myself in a position where when we get to Benidorm, I can feel happy and wear clothes that I like wearing and feel good. That'd be really good. So I didn't cook the ramen or anything today. <laughs> because <laughs> I just ate all the chicken. So I'm not going to bother cooking that stuff now. I'm going to let myself have an ice cream instead, a, wh a whippy ice cream, instead of having the um, instead of having the noodles that I bought and the miso soup. Um, that'll be good. They're the perfect things for touring, though, because those bare-naked noodles, when you buy them, they're, on the sh they're not refrigerated. They're in the supermarket. They're on the shelf. And they have a, a shelf date of, like, a couple of months, I think. I'll have to check that out. But... I already bring a little bag away with me. It's actually a waxed, uh, it looks like a, a lunch bag. It's a fake lunch bag, but it's like a waxed bag that's got a cool, cool bag system inside, you know, like a, a like that foil stuff that keeps stuff cool. Um, I've got one of those with all my coffee stuff in. I'd quite like to get one to keep all of this stuff in as well, you know, to keep in the sriracha sauce, the fry light, uh, a couple of packs of those bare naked noodles, like, I've bought five sachets. They come in a pack of five sachets of miso soup. A few more of those little um, glass things of seasoning. Just all the stuff that I would need so that when I am going to cook for myself away on tour, all I've got to do is buy basically chicken. Just go and buy chicken and buy some vegetables. And M&S garages are everywhere that I drive. Tesco's are everywhere that I drive. Supermarkets are everywhere that you drive and not get tempted by all the other stuff is in there and make crazy meals. Just go in for a bag of vegetables and um, some chicken thighs and I've got my greens, I've got my protein and I'm eating healthily and I enjoy cooking those things and it's easy. And I only really cook away on the road once or twice a week. So it's nice and easy to do. I need to get a little bag to keep all those ingredients in because I have a tendency to get them and then just bin them off and then have to buy them again. It's wasteful. 
those things will cook 30 meals <laughs> if I just keep them. So I need to be more planned like that, which I'm going to do as well. Um, and just have a couple of permanent bags in the car that are for those things and leave them behind the driver's seat or whatever, you know, that, that, are, that are for those jobs. So I'm getting there and I'm getting a lot better at being organized in the ways that, um, that I need to be for more successful, less stressful touring. So I feel pleased with that. I feel like things are headed in the right direction. As you can hear from my voice, my manner, the way that I'm thinking about stuff, I'm just feeling way more at peace and confident with getting myself back on track. I've said it loads of times in the past, but that first day of fasting, it's so, so hard to get through. But when you make one single day, the clarity that you have the next day is just unbelievable. It's really, really spectacular. The mindset change that you get the second day, you wake up and even if you're physically hungrier, the knowledge that you're going to be able to conquer it is unbelievable. You know that you can do it. It's just like, I don't know what it is. There's something about it that's it's just game changing. I think it's that you kick through the sort of sugar, salt cravings that your body has and you just reset yourself a little bit. You change something chemically and it's just easier to carry on. You just got to tell yourself, do one day. It's easy to say in hindsight, always, but and getting it under your belt is hard. But God, do I feel better today. Really, I do. I look at myself in the mirror today and I can see that already changes have happened. The amount of bloating that I had at the front of my stomach, when I look at myself on the side, it looks different already. My shirt and trousers felt like they fit a little bit differently last night on the gig. It was a second day in, but it just felt different and it will continue to feel different. And that's what I need. I've got my own show coming up at that venue local in a couple of weeks. It's when we get back from Benidorm. And I'd really, really like to feel a lot different for that. I'd really like to be in uh, nicer, you know, to be in a suit that feels a bit slimmer on me and feel good about it. So they're the goals right now. That's what we're aiming for. And I'm not saying I hope I can do it. I'm saying I will do it. I'm absolutely going to smash it. No question of it at all. We've started now and we're going to finish. It's going to happen. I forgot to tell you, by the way, on Monday, the reason that I, sorry, Friday, the reason that I got stuck in traffic is because when we got to the end of the traffic jam, there was an armed response unit that had pulled over two Land Rovers on the motorway and they were putting some people into the back of a proper police van. So I don't know if they'd escaped or if they were on the run or something, but literally armed police were arresting some men out of the back of a Land Rover and taking details and stuff at the scene of that. And they'd moved the motorway down into one lane so that they could deal with that situation and people were driving past and as you'd expect people were driving past quite slowly because they're wondering what the hell it was i hate rubbernecking when people slow down to look at an accident because it creates firstly it's ghoulish but it also creates a jam on a side where nothing's actually happened but that was what had happened it was pretty crazy so um well i've got a question to answer this week as well um dr alex sent me a message just saying with regards to virtual, do I still do any virtual shows? He asked me, um, he said a while ago on the podcast, I think probably during lockdown he's referring to, you said that you expected that going forward life would be 
still a good percentage of virtual shows and then loads of normal stuff would come back. And he asked me what percentage of virtual I'm still doing and what I'm doing with the space if I'm not doing any at all. And it's a great question, Alex. And as always, I'm always thrilled when anybody sends me a question because um, it's nice to know that anybody's listening. <laughs> but um, yeah, so the truth of it is that right now, I don't think I've done a virtual show in maybe a year. I think maybe a year or more since I last did a virtual show. I hear of other people doing virtual stuff. I've done a couple of magic club lectures and various little meetings and stuff where it's come in handy. But as far as doing a paid virtual show... I haven't done one in over a year. The company that I was doing the murder mystery shows for closed down that entire wing of their business because there wasn't enough demand for it. And they let their whole system for, for doing it go. And as far as I'm aware, nobody in the UK really is doing any virtual events that I could speak of at all. I think it's basically done with. Um, because I'm certainly not doing any. So what do I do with the space? Well, a lot less than I should. At the moment, I use it to store all of my show equipment. It is still set up to do a virtual show. I could walk in there right now and within two or three minutes to just familiarize myself with the beats and the controls, I could do a virtual show. Uh, it's all plugged in and still set up and ready to go. I mainly use it now for storage and rehearsal. I put the Peloton in there with the mind to use it to cycle on the Peloton. But since I got into running, I haven't been Pelotoning. I think when I get a couple of stone down, like 20 plus pounds, I will start to go back on the Peloton again. Because going on the Peloton for me is very directly linked with going on TikTok Live, doing live events on TikTok, live stream, sorry. And I don't want to do that while I'm as far away from where I was physically as before, because I know that this method for losing weight works. I don't know how it affects your ability to keep it off. And I've certainly fallen down there plenty of times. But I don't want to go on TikTok and give the trolls who said that my method for losing weight was impossible ammunition to say it more. So I need to get closer to where I was before I'd feel really comfortable going on TikTok again. But uh, that's what that room's currently being used for. So I will start to use it more and I am planning to do some filming in there. And when I get back in my brown suit and get back to my best weight, I am going to film some projects of my own and release material for magicians using that space and in that room. Um, I just, I'm not physically in a position because, you know, my weight is just always the big, biggest battle. Not physically in a position where I feel comfortable recording stuff that I'll want to stand behind a year from now. So I need to wait until I get physically better for that. But I am on the path now, as you know. So that's what's going on with that room. And no, there's no virtual, which is a shame because I loved it. Anyway, that's got to be the end of the podcast because I think we're about to hit an hour. And more uh, specifically, gosh, we are 48 minutes, uh, 58 minutes and 45 seconds. More specifically, I have to go and do a gig and I'm on stage in an hour and 10 minutes. And I need to get back to the caravan. Uh, I need to get back to the caravan and get showered and then get to the venue. And I do all of that stuff in the next sort of half an hour to 35 minutes at a maximum. So I got to go. I got to drive. And um, much love to you all. 
I'll speak to you all next Wednesday, hopefully with more positivity. Might even tell you my weight, but um, I'm definitely on it now. That's it. Next Wednesday will be two days until I go to Benidorm, so I'm going to be excited. The following Wednesday will be the day I fly back from Benidorm. So that's going to be interesting. Maybe I'll do a podcast in the car with Sarah while we're driving because I could do one if she's there as well to sort of, you know, steady the phone or whatever. Right, friends, got to go. Speak to you all later. Uh, Drop me a message or whatever. Be nice to hear from anybody and I'll speak to you soon. Bye, friends.